I trust that's all you want too. It's just to have Jesus glorified, lifted high. If that's your prayer today, it's a great thing. I hope you've noticed we've had sort of a theme of prayer this morning. We've prayed several times. We're going to continue to pray today. Prayer is powerful. It's a good thing. We shouldn't ever, ever take it for granted. Have you ever had something happen to you? Something that was too good to be true? Has that ever happened? Some great blessing? You thought maybe you might lose your job, but instead you got promoted in a race. Now, I'm not making that up. I am not making that up. I have heard that story from someone right here in our own church. Uh, That was Don Marcioni, and I'll never forget it. We were praying for Don a number of years ago. He would come to our men's group, and he would say, hey, you know, I need prayer. Uh, Things aren't looking good at the job. It looks like they're cutting back. They may be laying me off. So we prayed. Now, this went on for a few months, and then one day, Don showed up, And he said, yeah, they took me into the office the other day, the human resources office, to lay me off. And he said, they had all the paperwork. They literally had the pink slip to give him to say, you're done. And so he went through the process. I'm done. I don't have a job. But for some reason, he said, I asked a question just before I was going to leave. And he said, I asked, is there any other possibilities here at this company? Is there anything? And he said, the lady was, she said, well, you know, I I think we have a a spot, but you'd need to go through some training and such. He said, I'll do that. And here's what happened. He was going to be laid off. Literally, the pink slip was there, and he left that office with a raise and a promotion, something totally unexpected. And I'll never forget when he told me that. These kinds of things happen. Have you ever met someone, they might show you a picture of a car that was all crumpled up. It's the size of a a little, you know, cigar box. And it started out as a full-size automobile. And they say, yeah, that's my car. And let me tell you about the day that the semi-trailer smashed into me and I walked away from that. I've heard those kinds of stories. The people have walked away unscathed. I've heard stories about bills, issues, financial troubles that in one moment of time, out of nowhere, that issue was taken care of. I've heard of reunions and families. You know, that estranged family, that uh, wayward child, or uh, someone, two, two people in the family who haven't talked for years, and they're reunited, and nobody saw it coming. I have heard these stories, these sudden and unexpected turns. And what's the response? How is it that we respond? How do people respond when such things occur? No way. No way. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, that can't be. That can't be. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. That is totally unbelievable. Typically, that's a first response. We're incredulous. 
Stand in disbelief. Though there's the tangible thing standing right in front of us. It's the real deal. No way. Can't happen. I don't believe it. And I ask this question. Isn't that how we are sometimes before God Almighty? When God does something completely unexpected, a turn occurs, no way. I don't believe it. I want to talk about that this morning, especially when we're praying and that turn occurs. Our weekly reading has taken us through the book of, or almost through the book of Proverbs and some of the Psalms, the book of Acts. If you've been visiting or if you are visiting with us, you'll notice on the back of our bulletin, it says one year and there is some check boxes for Monday through Friday. We've been reading together the word of God as a church. I invite you to join us. It has been fabulous. Week doesn't go by. I don't hear from someone I heard last week. I love this Proverbs, Psalms, and Acts. This is just a great, great combination. So join us. Read the word of God. It's powerful. Take it in like little Anderson did this morning. Just eat it up. Eat it up. It's life. And what does the word say in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, which we recently read? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now there's the word of God. Our own understanding. Don't lean on it, but it often rules us, doesn't it? God did it. God did something great, but that can't be. Let me lean on my own understanding. I want to look at a recorded example in the book of Acts that is really this, this account. And it's Acts chapter 12. I want to give you a little bit of background before we read through it. As Acts 12 opens... There is a persecution of the church beginning by a king named Herod. Now, the Herods in the Bible are kind of like the Marys. There's a lot of Herods, like there's a lot of Marys. And it gets confusing. Which Herod is this? Well, this is not Herod the Great, not the Herod that was around when Jesus was born. This is his grandson, Herod Agrippa. He was a friend of Rome, but... He had not always been the best of friends, evidently. Prior to him coming to his reign, he was imprisoned by uh, the Roman emperor Tiberius. But after Tiberius was gone, there was Caligula. And Cal Caligula was a friend of Herod Agrippa, and he set him free, and he gave him reign, some reign, over this area of Judea. After uh, Caligula came Claudius. Claudius became Caesar, and he was a better friend of Herod Agrippa. Agrippa's territory expanded. He, uh, he was not a nice person. He put out uh, some of his relatives that were kind of causing him trouble. Eh, he exiled them so they wouldn't, wouldn't be a problem. His dominion expanded further than Herod the Great. But he was evil. 
Agrippa was evil, and Acts 12 opens, and he has executed James, the brother of John. He's a Christian. These Christians are causing trouble. Agrippa's kind of, uh, he's allied himself with the Jews. He's there as a friend of Rome. He's half Jewish anyway. And after he executes James, the brother of John, the Jews are pretty happy. They're actually excited. This pleases the Jews. So Agrippa's emboldened. Hey, how many more Christians can I take out? So he puts Peter in jail. He has Peter arrested, but he doesn't immediately put him through the kangaroo court and have him executed because it's a Jewish holiday. It's the Passover. It's the festival time. So Peter's put in prison to await trial till after the Passover. Now I want to pick up this account from Acts chapter 12 and give you verses 5 and 6. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Oh, stop there. Peter's asleep. He's imprisoned. He's in jail. He's bound with two chains. There's sentries. Sentries are watching, and he has a guard on one side, a guard on the other. Is there any hope for Peter? If you were Peter, what would you be thinking? I'm going to hatch a plan? I'm going to make my escape? I doubt it. You got a Roman on each side of you. A few of them are watching the door. You have chains on your hands and feet. You're bound with two chains. Any chance? Impossible. But what Peter didn't know is recorded in verse 5. What he didn't know, and it's such a great verse of Scripture. So Peter was kept in prison, but... Remember I talked about that little word, but, how it can take you to defeat or victory? But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And God heard. And let's read the rest of the account. Let's pick it up in Acts 12, 7. The church was earnestly praying for Peter, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get, quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to an iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. 
When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. This is why I love the book of Acts. That's better than any John Grisham novel you can read. I mean, there is action and intrigue going on. Here, Peter had been sleeping in a prison cell, and I suppose since he figured there's no way to escape, he's bound in chains, a guard on each side, the guard's watching the, the gates. Why not get a good night's sleep? I got to go to trial tomorrow. Hey, I might as well sleep well. But suddenly he's awakened. There's this light, an angel. His chains fall off. He puts on his coat and his shoes, and soon he's walking in the streets. This is all kind of a blur to him. And I figure it'd be a blur to me, too. And I believe if any of us think about it, yeah, we'd be shaking the sleep out of our eyes. What is going on? But uh, when the angel had gone, his brain cleared up. He began to think clearly. He came to his senses. And he said, I know without a doubt, this is the Lord. Despite the sudden and unexpected turn of events, Peter gives glory to God. And now he goes off to Mary's house. And this is Mary, the mother of John Mark. So we're not confused with all the other Marys. Mary, the mother of John Mark, who was going to travel with Paul and Barnabas. And a church was gathered at her house. And we read, earnestly praying. And then Peter, he's knocking at the door. This little, well, this servant, I don't know if she's little. The servant, Rhoda, hears his voice and recognizes his voice. Evidently, he didn't say his name. The word says she recognized his voice. Now, I can picture him shouting. He must have been so overjoyed and overwhelmed. He doesn't even say who he is. Let me in. Let me in. I've been set free. Open the door. Open the door. Rhoda is overjoyed. She's so taken with this. She doesn't even open the door. She runs back to the people in the house yelling, Peter's at the door. Here is a sudden and an unexpected blessing. They have been praying. Rhoda is overjoyed. She cannot contain herself. And what's the response of all these fervently praying people? You're crazy. You're out of your mind. There's the first response. But Rhoda keeps insisting, it's Peter, it's Peter. I know his voice. No way, it isn't Peter. No, it's his angel. What does that mean? In other words, he's dead. 
Herod has had him executed. The evil Herod Agrippa, who sees no problem in executing Christians, who's already killed James. James is dead. It's Peter's spirit. Because it ain't Peter. No way. We've been praying for him to set, be set free. It can't be him. How does that go again? Trust in my understanding with all my heart and lean not on God? Is that, what, is that what we read? No, that's not how it goes. But that seems to be our human nature, our human response. The immediate response is, well, I better trust my own understanding. I better trust my own feelings. And it wasn't until the door was opened and they saw Peter, did they believe. And this makes me think of poor Thomas, doubting Thomas. You know, the guy gets a bad rap, doesn't he? Why is he called doubting Thomas? Because, oh, I need to see Jesus and put my hands in his wounds and then I'll believe. This whole house, this whole house could have been reprimanded by Jesus just like Thomas was. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Well, they're not believing it until they see it. And they had been praying. And they weren't just praying. The word of God says they were earnestly praying. So I want to talk for a moment about their faith in their prayer. Now, first, they had faith to pray, right? We know that because they were praying. I don't think we find it too hard to pray. I don't think we find it too hard to have some faith to pray. We gather every Sunday here and we pray. We gather on Wednesdays and we pray. We remember those who submit requests. They write them down, they put them in. We remember, we pray. We pray in our homes. We pray in our cars. At least I know I have. We pray in our office. It's another place. We ask God, God bless us. We ask God to help us. God help us. God intervene. We invoke the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, we ask for this. In the name of Jesus, we appeal to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And it's not too difficult to muster up the faith to pray. And sometimes we're probably not even thinking about it. We, we just pray. All that happened, well, let's pray. Peter's in prison, let's pray. That seems to be the case with these people. Peter's in prison, they're in Mary's house. Well, let's intercede on behalf of Brother Peter. Let's go to the Lord. His life's on the line. He might die like James. Let's pray. So they prayed. Well, now I'm supposing, secondly, that they had faith to believe God heard their prayer. And that might take a little bit more faith. A little bit more than just mouthing words. A little bit more than just saying things to God. But to actually believe God hears. Prayer can sometimes be like that. That we're just mouthing our words. For it truly to be effective. We have to have some faith that God hears. That he's not asleep. That God is not busy. He's not distracted with somebody else's problems and by the way, those are not biblical concepts anyway. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. Our triune God isn't so distracted he can't hear our prayers. But sometimes our doubt creeps in. God must be too busy to hear me. So our faith needs to get over that. Our faith needs to get beyond that. 
to believe that God hears our prayer. After all, we're praying in the first place. And if we're not going to pray, believing God hears, why are we praying at all? We should have at least a smidgen of faith to believe that God will hear our prayer. And we're told that the believers in Mary's house, they were earnestly praying. That means they were sincerely praying. They were genuine in their prayers. And I believe they had some faith to believe God will hear our prayer. So we need faith to pray. We need faith to believe God will hear. Now what about believing God has responded? How about believing? How about having enough faith to believe God has answered your prayer? Now that seems like the easy part, doesn't it? It seems like that should be no questions at all. No problem. That's the easiest thing. It doesn't take too much interaction with God. The prayer is answered. So when we've prayed earnestly, when we've prayed earnestly, and the doctor says, no, there's no more issue. There's no more trouble. There's no sign of cancer. Do we swallow hard and say, oh, I hope he's right? You know, when that wayward child comes home, unexpectedly and there's that reunion and we've been praying and praying do we instantly wonder well I wonder how long is this going to last you know, are we going to allow the Herods of the world are we going to allow the evil of the world to rob us of our faith when God answers our prayer? Are we going to let the enemy fill us with doubt? Are we going to lean on our own understanding or are we going to trust God when a prayer is so suddenly and so abundantly answered? There was Peter. He's banging on the door, pounding on the door, open up the door, let me in. And Rhoda's saying, it's Peter, it's Peter. And the response from the people who had the faith to pray, the response from the people who had the faith to believe God hears our prayer, their response was, you are out of your mind. It can't be. God has so abundantly, unexpectedly, and completely answered the prayer. It can't be. I don't believe it. Where, there, where, where was their faith to believe God answers? Church, when we pray and when we approach God, let's, let's go first with the faith to believe he's a God that answers our prayers and that we can believe he answers our prayers. We should approach God with that attitude that blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We should go to God with that bold expectation. Bold expectation. I'll trust you, God. I will trust you. I will not lean on my own understanding. I'm not going to let the Herods of the world rob me of my faith. I'm not going to let the evil, the problems, the destruction, the hate steal from me. I'm not going to let some miracle that seems so grand to cause me to say, I don't believe it or you're out of my mind. But be like Peter. But be like Peter and give God the glory. Give God the glory exclaiming, I know without a doubt, without a doubt, that the Lord has done it. Can we approach God with that faith today? This morning, this morning is our second Sunday where we pray. We take time at these altars. 
to pray for needs. Pray for needs in your life, whether they're physical, whether they're financial, whether you need direction, you need guidance. We've been reading the book of Acts. We know that the church in Antioch prayed and they received guidance. Send out Paul and Barnabas for my work. Just direction. Do you need direction today? Do you need a healing touch? Can you come to these altars with the bold faith to say, I will believe without a doubt that you, mighty God, will answer my prayer? I want to invite our elders to these altars this morning. And if you're in the back, we have elders at the crossover aisle. If you can't walk all the way, they'll be happy to pray for you. We want to pray with the bold expectancy that God will answer. These elders are going to follow the biblical, the biblical direction that's given to us in the epistle of James. If there are any sick among you, let them call on the elders of the church and they'll anoint that person with oil and pray the prayer of faith. We want to pray the prayer of faith over you this morning for any and all needs. So let's go to God. Let's pray earnestly. Let's pray earnestly with the faith to pray. Let's pray earnestly with the faith to believe God hears. And let's pray with the faith that God answers. And he's a good God. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit would fall upon each elder up here. Lord, use them as channels of your blessing, your almighty power, Lord, as they lay hands on people. God, we know that you can do things. We trust you, Lord. And let us not lean on our own feeble understanding. Be robbed of our faith by the evil of the world that would cause us to doubt. Lord, if the enemy whispers doubts in the ears of anyone here right now, God, I pray that you would arrest that and you would put the, the, the inspiration in their hearts to step out in faith to come down to be prayed this morning, to be prayed for. Thank you, God. We commit this time into your hands in Jesus' name. And if you need prayer, I invite you to come right now. And if not, take time to pray. Just, just add your prayers to the prayers that are being offered right now. Let's keep an attitude of worship and praise in the sanctuary this morning as we pray over every and all need that comes to these altars this morning.